Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Spoonbill Restaurant in downtown Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We humans have an uneasy relationship with robots. Sure, we create them, but there's a general sense of foreboding about a world where humans and robots coexist. Part of that fear is rooted in Hollywood science fiction vision of the future, which is more fiction than science. And then there's the all too real truth about the advent of driverless cars, the mass DNA information databases that Ancestry.com is building, and how much Facebook knows about you already. When you consider this growth of artificial intelligence, you might start to realize that a science fiction future isn't going to look like a Will Smith movie where we're fighting humanoids in the streets. And it's not also particularly futuristic. It's happening right now, even right here in Acadiana. In fact, one of the pioneers of artificial intelligence in the world of marketing is Lafayette's own Frankie Russo. I'm sure you didn't catch that, or if you did, you're wondering what the polite version of WTF is she talking about, so I'll say it again. Frankie Russo is a pioneer in the field of artificial intelligence in the world of marketing. What that means is that Frankie's company, 360IA, knows what you want to buy before you do. If you think that's fascinating, stick around. If you think someone who can accurately predict your purchasing future is just too freaky, you might want to just quit listening right now. Frankie Russo, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Frankie, the process of selling somebody a product traditionally began when the buyer contacted the seller, either by walking into a store, answering an advertisement, or clicking on something online. The artificial intelligence product that you've developed, 360IA, apparently changes all of that. Somehow or another, 360IA can identify a potential buyer of a product before the buyer contacts the seller. I'm quoting you here, Frankie. You say, 360IA understands the consumer so well that we know who will buy before they even begin shopping. How is that possible? There's a lot of different uh, facets to what it is that we're trying to accomplish and what we have already accomplished. The main thing is this concept of that we all hate to be sold, but in truth, we all love to buy. Now, we don't always have the money to buy, but we usually will spend just a little bit more than we have because if we love to buy so much. And that concept of loving to buy is a big part of what goes into the artificial intelligence. Now, I want to give a disclaimer because the word artificial intelligence, I try not to use too often. In fact, I, there's a reason I didn't actually name the company 360 AI, and I, I named it 360 IA because we refer to it as intelligent automation. The truth is, auto, artificial intelligence is really more at the machine learning stage still to this day. There's a lot of pieces that can be identified as AI, but AI has multiple types of artificial intelligence. So. There's this concept of, of artificial intelligence that we see in the movies where there's this machine or robot that can actually make a decision like a human with feelings and with all kinds of other sensory aspects 
that type of AI is still a ways down the road. So I think it's important to identify that not artificial intelligence is created equally. But what you're relying on is that human beings have such noticeable buy-in patterns, predictable yes. behavior. Is that true? Well, because all of us like to think it doesn't apply to me. Okay, so here's where, here's where the science does come in. So the truth is, none of us want to believe that we're creatures of habit. We want to believe that we're spontaneous. We want to believe that we're making our own decisions. And in truth, we are. However, at a micro level, we are doing a lot of the same things. Sometimes it looks a little bit different, but we really are ultimately the same person throughout the majority of our life, especially our adult life. Now, does that mean we can't change course or that humans don't make drastic changes? We do. But as we make drastic changes, it's still being tracked. So the truth is, is that we do have, obviously, willpower and decision-making, right? And, and I'm talking about this at a, at a higher level from a human standpoint, because that's how you have to approach this from a standpoint of when you're talking about intelligence, artificial or non-artificial intelligence. The, the fact is, if you look at each one of us, okay, and, and we all have different things that are now being tracked at such a mass level, okay? Each one of us is a number, and we're a number in a lot of different systems. You think about Facebook, for example, which is you know, very scary. They recently, recently had to pay billions of dollars in fines because they overstepped the boundaries of, of their power. Okay? And some would argue that they didn't get charged enough for that fine. The, the fact is that the data is actually, to some degree, volunteered, okay? especially on Facebook. Now, yeah. what's done with that data, how it's used and how it's misappropriated or not misappropriated, appropriated is a huge part of all of this. And we're in very early days. We're really the first day of social media when we look at it in a totality. Right. So how do you actually anticipate a purchase? Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. So there's, there's a lot of things that uh, allow for us to find indicators that somebody is going to purchase certain items. Now, so let's talk about cars. You work a lot in the car industry. Sure, think about the car business and the reason why I was able to go very deep with that vertical is because so much of it is standardized. There's a limited number of vehicles, types, in the universe right now. All of those vehicles are in a lot of accessible systems to understand all different facets of them, whether it's a new vehicle, pre-owned vehicle, what's happened to that vehicle. The vehicle itself has its own history, right? And then on top of that, as humans, we have a history. The basic version of this history and what the early stages of what we do now in, uh, included were things like, how often do you buy a car? Okay, so do you drive a car? Yes, I do. do, and okay. I do need a new car, but I'm not telling you that. No, yeah, well, um, well I already knew. So, so, um. let's, so let's take it back <laughs> to the really human level. You start by like, I've been Googling the car, so there's some- we, No, by the time you're Googling it, you, we're, we're already too late. How do you know before Yes, let's talk I about what the, And let's talk about the value of that. So what's the value of knowing if you're gonna buy something before you start the, pro the process. The old model is that like, okay, you buy a car every three years, so you're probably gonna, it's been two years and eight months, you're probably gonna buy a car soon. That's one way to look at it. We also know things like how much, how many payments you've made. So if you trade it in your car right now, we know what your car's worth. So you take that example and I know what you owe for the most part, because we understand what your payments are and that, that type of data is accessible. So the fact is without your permission, just so you know, marketers and, and people can now identify 
information about your credit, okay, as long as that we make some sort of an offer to you. So there's, there's all these nuances that I can figure out, like, basically how much you owe on your car, how long you've had it, and if you traded it in right now, what it, that would be worth, so that I can immediately tell you about three or four other options. So a big thing that, that has driven this, this whole idea of intelligent automation, machine learning, and, and AI is taking this, um, this concept that if I know who the person was at the beginning, like if I know who you are at the beginning, the fact is I can reach you on so many different ways. In fact, I can, I can put a video, a television ad in your home just for your address, just for you. That's technology so that's now available. This but, is the dichotomy I have with you because yes. on one point you're like all about people and you wrote a motivational book and it's that's all right. about being really human. And on the other thing, it's about this micro data where you can manipulate people well, into th things. I'm, gl I'm glad so you said that. explain where, Good. when you're... Uh, How do I go from writing a book about purpose and life and being a human to being in, in an AI marketing world. How, yes. where do you, how do you put that together, right? How, how do you sleep at night knowing that you're also manipulating people? Okay, <laughs> here's how I sleep at night. You love to buy. I sleep at night because you love to buy. And so does everybody else, and so do I. What we're creating is a different experience. This isn't about selling. I'm not trying to sell you a car. I'm trying to facilitate a different type of experience for you to buy that car. So is this real or is this just like American motivational speaker, let me find a way to say no. this, but it's really about no. me making money. This isn't about fake news and spinning any kind of like, any kind of foreign policy. I'm not a politician. This is this is a real thing. At the end of the day, what is it that the, the core, so let's talk about that for a minute. So the art of why. At the end of the, the end of the book, I'll fast forward to the end, is that we all have the same purpose. That purpose is to help others, okay? Now that is helping people, mostly family, friends, employees, the people you work with, and, and then it, that translates also to clients and customers of, of my companies. I want to help them. I want to help them do what they do a different way, okay? And so from the outside looking in, you'd be like, oh, well, that, that's real kind of capitalistic. That's, it's all about numbers and all this and that. And, and the fact is, is that there is a science and a math to the numbers. However, the, the end game and the end goal is to be able to facilitate and put people together, okay? People love to buy. That's so, that, and so if I can facilitate that, if I can facilitate what people want to buy and they have a better experience. If, if you didn't have to go to the car dealership because you were able to have an experience that was so customized to you where that you were able to make a, a, buy the vehicle and then bring it to your house and it was the vehicle that you wanted, you didn't feel pressured, you didn't have to be sold, you didn't have to sit in a car dealership for three hours and that, that, that you felt like you were in control of that experience and then, and that experience was made easy because of this data, why would I not sleep good at night in comparison to all the other Americans that are out there doing this, doing this the other way? You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Frankie Russo from 360 IA. We'll be back after this quick break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Frankie Russo from 360 IA. Frankie, you're pretty well known in this field. You're, you're one of the, the top people in the field. So what did... Well, at least in, the, in Louisiana. So what, what did you create that other people... Did you put lots of pieces together that were already there in a new way? Or did you... Love it. What, That's what a great did question. Yeah, like how, how did we get to this, right? Yes. How, how did I get to have an actual valuable piece of technology or yes. anything? The only way I was able to, to even get in the game, get up to speed 
to this level and be a player was by really looking at the seam. Okay, what I mean by that is that there's a lot of huge companies that have big data, there's a lot of huge companies who have powerful technology. What I realized was that so many issues come from the connectivity and the experience of, of putting all that together in a way where you can first, and the first thing I built was a dashboard, was to understand how all these different pieces could tell me information. But it wasn't until I realized that most people aren't looking for more dashboards and reports that they really wanted a way to make it actionable. So the way I got into it was by looking for different problems that weren't being solved. And this is a combination of, of a lot of different problems that actually led me to this piece. The machine learning and the artificial intelligence piece, I didn't even really put together until the last two years. See, I, all the pieces had to come together and then I, I kind of almost accidentally stepped into that part of it. I, wasn't ex I was expecting to just solve some things for clients, quite frankly. Like, I was just trying to look at my clients and look at their problems and say, what could, what could machine learning or what could technology or data help solve for their problem, right? So let's look at the bigger picture for yeah. a while. So you have other companies. You have how many companies, roughly? Seven. So I, one of those companies is called Russo Capital. It owns pieces of the other companies. Yeah, you own your own investment company that I'm an angel gives money. so I'm an angel investor angel investment it quite simply means that I'm coming in at the very early stage of the business so what happened was I, I didn't wake up one day and decide I was gonna be an angel investor either I just woke up one day and already was an angel investor and here's what it looks like I have two of the companies that Russo Capital owns it are I own 100% of, okay? That's Potenza Inc., which is one of the older companies. Which is where we think of you as starting here. Yes, that's exactly where I started. That was an advertising agency, and that company is still today going. 360IA came later, and that's been a project that's about more eight years old, probably. These other companies, like Voodoo Growers. Which is a cannabis company. So Voodoo Growers started out, it's in, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a farm. Right, so I'm in, I'm in agriculture. I'm technically I'm technically a farmer. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I am in agriculture because of Voodoo Growers. But that's a perfect example. Voodoo Growers, it was an opportunity for me to partner up with another group of people from from this area that opened up a, a cannabis farm in Oregon and ended up being converted into CBD. And so basically, it's a CBD farm that also has a processing for the oils and whatnot. Um, that was something that the uh, a client had come to me and I had an opportunity to invest. And one of the dynamic things about this and how I kind of stumbled into angel investment is that the big thing that people need when they get their first round of cash is usually marketing and advertising and branding and things like that. So I basically usually do a combination of like investment dollars and in kind because I own own the power machine, which is a Potenza, which is a time for power. And basically that that's how I kind of got into that. So then I have a handful of other companies. You have a recording label, a record company? Yeah. Okay. So there's another one. So Mark Broussard, called me one day and most people around here have heard of Mark Broussard um, and I thought he had the wrong number at first even though I, I knew Mark from back in the day I used to be in the music business but you know, yeah, he was so way you, ahead of me at one point you were also a recording artist yes yes I'd done a couple al albums in Nashville and, and this this whole thing was kind of a common that I was young okay uh, and I got ex I got about as far as I realized I was gonna get and then just got tired of starving to death but I've always loved the music business I love music yeah I'm a musician I'm not as good, I'm not good enough to be a famous musician, that's why I'm not famous, and you, you don't, wouldn't have really known that I was a musician. So let's talk about, is, is your drive to find, you described 360 IA as your rocket. Yes. So is that, is that, that's the strive to be really, really good at something? 
Yeah, so the idea is to, the, the reason why it's a rocket is because it's honestly quite, it's focused. It's very focused, right? The thing about Potenza, and what's great about Potenza is you can kind of be anything to anybody, right? And you're doing a lot of customizing. It's not focused, it's not scalable. It's wonderful and you can do great work and great, great, great partners, but the reason why this is a rocket ship is because it's focused, it's technology, and I call it a rocket ship because I always wanted to build a rocket ship when I was a kid, and I tried to build a couple of them, they didn't, they didn't work. I but, hear uh, it's a tough industry. Yeah, it's very tough. Uh, but it, for me, it's, it's, I just, I've always wanted to invent things. I invented hundreds of things as a kid that didn't work, and business was actually the first invention that did work. Um, and so being in the technology, building something that doesn't exist, and like being a pioneer in that part of it is, for me, like really exciting, and it, it has, in this day and age, has a, a big value as far as that So goes. let's talk about Lafayette and why you still live here. Is it because yes. you like being that big fish in a small pond? No, Or no. Is, it, is it, do you have a heart? And I, it's, that's good, that's <laughs> shouldn't good. shouldn't have asked it like that. I love it. This is, this is really pointed. Why is still Lafayette? Why minutes? haven't you moved to, um, that is, to Silicon Valley? Seriously, that's a good question. So originally, I was very torn at that. Most of my friends that are very talented have moved. Okay, and this is one of those towns where you either have to do something on your own, be an entrepreneur, or pretty much like be in the oil field or the, or the healthcare for the most part, right? Work retail. It's most people that live here live here because their family's here, and I and I'd be lying if I didn't say that that's a big part of it, especially now. Okay, so um, I've got a large family, and living here, this is a great place to raise a family. So that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is that it's worked. You know, I'm definitely not here because I like being a big fish in a small pond. I, I feel like I was able to, for the most part, graduate about four or five years ago from this idea that I was trying to, like, impress Lafayette. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but, like, I just, I, my benchmarks for what I'm trying to strive for aren't localized by any well, means. Well, technology makes the world a very small place. It doesn't actually matter where That's right. you're operating from. It's been a neat experience. So my men, my business mentor, um, Steve Pruitt, who is actually, he's in the book, and he's somebody that has really allowed for me to be in a lot of much uh, broader, larger settings. And he's kind of kind of shown me the world a little bit in, in, in business. And he was, originally, he was the CEO of a company here called um, CCA, Comcore of America. They, they sold out to Nexstar and he ended up going somewhere else. But during that time that he was here, we were going to build a big company here and he encouraged me to stay. And that was a big part of it too. It was like, there's so much we could do from here. And, and so it, it, I did that back then. He ended up leaving, you know, bless his heart, but I'm still here. And, it, and it's just been one of those things that like, it's worked. It's hard to uh, recruit sometimes, but there's not as much competition. So it's not, it's definitely not big fish, small pond type of deal. Um, I'd, honestly, I really love Nashville. Um, I love New York. Um, there's a couple other places that I, I do love. Um, I go there a lot. Um, and so, you know, one thing about Lafayette is if you do your own thing here, there's, you really can find that, like, fulfillment and happiness, and, and I have here. So. so one of the things we use with technology companies... And yes, I, yes, I do have a heart. <laughs> can we put that on the record? One of the things about technology companies is we tend to think of them as, like, you know, startups and they're small, but Potenza now has 60 employees in Lafayette. Yes. So do you run the day-to-day of that, or are you no. not connected? So, no, okay... You are connected. That was two questions. Yes, you're yeah, right. Yeah, no, you, you're right. You, you that was evil. That. So here's the deal. Yes, I'm, I'm actually, right now I'm more connected than, than I want to be because we're in the middle of really kind of, we're constantly what I call uh, rebuilding the airplane 
in the sky. And I've been doing that for about 15 years with all these different so things. So that's an airplane and the other thing's a rocket? Well, no, you, no, it's, it's an ultralight, then it's a Cessna, then it's a dual prop, then it's a, got a jet engine. You kind of work your way I, up. I love the way and you right actually And right now I'm trying to transition from the big Airbus and get it. I'm, it's not a full rocket. It's more like the Virgin Galactic one that kind of gets into the deal. It's not, we're not at SpaceX yet. So it's a process. You can't go straight to the rocket. But SpaceX is still the dream, right? Well, yeah. The, in, in theor- yeah, philosophically or theoretically, I don't know what the word would be, but yeah, uh, that would be awesome. But the 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 fact is, um, I'm I'm definitely still very plugged in because we are constantly having to like evolve to keep up. But my motto, and this is kind of the idea with the Russo Capital. So the, the way I can have, because um, when I was younger, I tried being the like, let me run everything, okay, let me do everything, and I thought like I you know was boy wonder, and even though it may seem like I still think I'm Boy Wonder, I definitely <laughs> am no, by no means uh, doing that anymore because well, here's what I realized. I, I went to an Inc. 5000 conference the first year. Okay, this was six years ago. And this is the first time I got the award for fast-growing companies in America and all that. Which you've now got six years running. Right. And um, so the first time I went, I thought, okay, first of all, I went because I thought, I'm not, this ain't going to happen again. So let me go ahead and do this, go to this award ceremony because it'll be a once in a lifetime type deal. And when I got there, they started saying some things that were really hard to hear. One of the things they said was that founders make crappy CEOs. Okay. And I remember thinking like, I paid so much money to come to this. We're supposed to be celebrating here and you're going to do this to me. And since then I've realized founders really do make crappy CEOs. And so one of the things that I've, I've tried to do, and really in the last two or three years have I really gotten to a point where I've gotten good at letting go, is to have somebody who's the, in operations, like a chief operating officer, or even in some cases the CEO. So on the companies where I own a minority stake, I'm more from a mentorship standpoint, strategy, branding, board member. So I don't, I'm not in the day-to-day at all on those. Um, but on like the Potenzas and the 360IA, I'm still technically the CEO, but I try and have operators that are strong enough to be able to be the CEO without us. We're not big enough yet for me to be the chairman of a board or something like that. It's a little bit over the top. So let's talk about what's next. Tell yes. me about Amelia. Yes. Okay. So Amelia is my fifth daughter. So I've got four daughters. So Amelia is going to be my fifth daughter and um, she's not going to be human. Uh, but um, Amelia is, um, she's kind of the next, the next dream. And, and Amelia is, is going to be someone who is born naturally out of all the things that we are currently working on, right? So, uh, like I said before. So we're being very vague about Amelia at the moment. Well, no. Um, I can tell you what Amelia will, will be doing, okay? So I haven't, I've purposely not given Amelia a name yet for what we're, what we're working on. And mainly because I don't, I actually don't, as much as I love PR, Okay, and as much as I love to be all things to all people, the fact is is that using the term artificial intelligence and putting a name with it, I see as a very, very high honor and standard. And that's why I haven't done it yet. I, I, you know about it because I've talked about it and I put it out there that we, what we want to be. But ultimately, this is a decision-making machine that can make the, all the decisions from a strategic standpoint, using all the hundreds and thousands of data points that we're now ingesting in a way that's as good or better than our marketing strategy teams currently. Now, what that means is that we also want to be able to use the data to help us better understand how to make decisions that aren't in the machine. 
For example, creative decisions. You know, there's a lot of things about that we assume as creatives uh, that we should be or shouldn't be doing to, to really help uh, influence or inspire, okay? Because, you know, as a creative yourself, you know, in influencing and inspiring, it's not, your hands aren't completely clean on that, right? Right? We're talking about you today. Yeah, right? <laughs> because all of us are, are trying to inspire yeah. people to buy. I mean, it's just part of the process. So if we can use data to do it in a better way, what we've learned and what Amelia is, what I want Amelia to be is, is a, a machine person that is thinking in terms of always the person that is on the other side of that screen, on the other side of the phone or whatever it is that will make that experience less. I think... I think we'll if you will, be, annoying, to be honest. We'll be inviting you back to the show once Amelia is launched. Of course. There's something about living here. Well, in actually, maybe you just invite her back. <laughs> yes. Or, yes. Yeah, I think maybe she can come in my, instead of me. We could have both of, <laughs> both of you together. That would be fun. Well, I think she'll need a chaperone for a couple of years. <laughs> There's something about living here in Acadiana that's impossible to replicate anywhere in the world. If you're from here, you don't want to leave. And if you move here, you're forever grateful that you discovered this place. That's why it doesn't particularly surprise us to discover the extraordinary tanned people like Frankie live here because well why wouldn't you the conventional wisdom is that you could be more successful than you currently are if you relocated to another part of the country where there are more resources but it's hard to imagine how much more of a success you could be than the leader in your respective field which is where you are from your comfortable perch here in Acadiana Frankie we're proud to have you as a neighbor and we look forward to keeping up with your continued success and learning more about Amelia Thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Oh, it's my pleasure. My Thank guest you. on Out to Lunch today has been Frankie Russo, founder of Russo Capital and founder and CEO of 360IA. You can find out more about Frankie by following the links on our website, it's acadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. Today's show was engineered by Blake Langanay. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com, on our It's Acadiana Facebook page, and on Instagram. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, and you can find all of our podcasts at itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us between shows on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you'll find all of those links on our website, itsacadiana.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live at Spoonbill Watering Hole and Restaurant in downtown Lafayette. Spoonbill is open for lunch Tuesday through Sunday, dinner Wednesday through Saturday, and brunch on weekends. Spoonbill tastes like good times. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali's Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, 
and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants. 